Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Bloke and the Bird Show, where, first off, welcome to all these new subscribers that have shown up. If you, if you just started subscribing, we don't know where you came from, but we're happy you're here, and hopefully you didn't judge us on last week's show, because it wasn't a good show. <laughs> We've done better. Well, we may have done better, but don't diss us to the new people. The uh, the show before that was better. This is hopefully going to be better. Maybe they're catching up on previous episodes. Maybe uh, they should leave us a comment and tell us where they came from. That would be cool, too. Leave us a review over on iTunes. Hey, you know where else we are now? We are finally on Spotify. Wait a minute. You and Spotify worked out your differences? Yes. We got over our, our BHF, and <laughs> we're, we're now – we're not BFFs yet, but you – know, Are you BFFs? No. Are you FFs? I don't know what a FF is. <laughs> I'm not sure I want it. <laughs> Remember, we have a clean tag. I want to keep the clean tag. I just took apart the BFF <laughs> and was going for which letter combinations could I come up with here. Okay. So if you take part BFF, what would an FF be? I, th- I think actually we're just... Fs? MAs for mild acquaintances. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're, we're working on our relation it, our, our facebook status is it's complicated okay <laughs> <laughs> um speaking of facebook the link to the um stitcher feed is uh over on the facebook page and uh probably by the time you hear this i will finally get the our own webpage uh, updated with the link over to uh, to Stitcher so that you can do that. If you're a Stitcher user, you can get in there. Um, before we jump into the show, though. Before we jump in, okay. I happen to have come across, and it was a really minor story, so I'm sure you have not heard of it. Um, however, I came across a story on Autoblog. It was either the beginning of this week or the end of last week that there is a group trying to bring open-wheel racing Back to Cleveland. Get out. (laughs) And the key word there is back because there used to be a stop in Cleveland. They used to run through uh, Burke Lake Airport in downtown Cleveland. That was the course. It was uh, the – it was before IndyCar, so it was either IMSA or car or one, one of or Champ Cars, one of those open American open wheel series. Around the time that it used to go to Detroit, it used to also come to Cleveland and race on a course at Burke Lakefront Airport. There is a group trying to bring IndyCar to Cleveland to run on Burke Lakefront Airport. Who are they and how can we give them our $25 to support them? (laughs) I mean, it was going to go to Manor Marusha. But we could support open wheel racing in our own country, in our own backyard. You know, you'd think that, but I think I would rather it still go to Manor Marusha. That way we can say that we are the sponsors of an F1 team. (laughs) Talk about the street cred. Seriously. All right. By the way, Graham Loudon, call me. Call me Graham Loudon. Yeah, we're opening negotiations with Graham right now. Justin King, you know where to find me. Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah, it, it just keep the dollar amount low because, you know, we're grassroots at this point. Well, at this point, so is Manor Marusha, where they are, have now come out and said that, well, 
yeah, things are looking good to keep Roberto Mary, but we might not do that. They, they still haven't quite decided, despite what they said last week. So who knows what's happening there? Well, you know, as of the recording of this show, he's the only one of their two drivers that's finished a race. That's true. And, and speaking of which, it was such a slow news week in Formula One. I mean, it was – I think people were, were sleeping. But it was such a slow news week in Formula One that BBC Sports F1 site actually did a story that said, we might actually see at China the debut of Formula One at – or um, of Will Stevens for Marussia this weekend because we couldn't figure that out on our own. <laughs> What? Captain Obvious was writing at BB Sports, BBC Sports this week because honestly, there was nothing else going on. It was so, it was really sleepy. Well, do you know who didn't have a, a slow week this week? Um, no. Lewis Hamilton. Okay. Well, you know he's negotiating his own contract this year because his three year contract with Mercedes is up at the end of this year. Mm-hmm. He's negotiating his own contract because he's acting as his own manager because he fired his entertainment company um, a while back. So I want you to picture this for a moment. Lewis Hamilton and all that you know about him having to read his own contract. You know, to paraphrase in many ways the legendary... Dr. McCoy from Star Trek. Lewis, you're a race car driver, not a lawyer. Mm-hmm. Because seriously, you have no business reading contracts. No race car driver has business reading contracts. That's what lawyers are for. That's what managers are for. And even if Sebastian Vettel is crazy enough to do his own, that's because he's just crazy. Well, there's there's that. Um now, he had really hoped to have this thing buttoned down before Malaysia. So he's, um, by his own timeline, he is kind of no, fighting this. No, to be clear, the team and Lewis hoped to have this buttoned down by the start of winter testing. Well, okay. <laughs> so here's what he said on Thursday about his contract negotiation skills. It's back and forth, back and forth. There are things that are done and things that are not done. Wow, the wisdom of Lewis Hamilton. I thought it was going to be done after Malaysia, but there are things that still need to be done. Ooh. There are certain things I didn't read. Put an asterisk on that. We're going to come back to that. Mm-hmm. I thought it would be quick. And I realized that there are lots of things needed to do. I'm reading parts that I ha- when I have time to read. You send stuff off, it might take two days to come back, then you digest it, then you send it back, you have your comments, and you speak to your lawyer, and then you send your comments back, and vice versa. You know, I would have thought that after all his years in racing, at the various levels, and I understand that he had a management company and and a manager who was handling most of this stuff until this latest contract. But I would have thought that with all his experience in racing, he would have realized that there was more to the contract than just, you drive fast, we pay you money. I know. Um, So he's denying that the talks are a distraction for his season. You know, he is still in the points lead, so we can't argue that point yet. Yeah. However, he asked if he would ever do this again. He says, Disguise Sports, I might find a different solution. This is a pain in the backside. 
Now, my only hope is that when should he go for um, or, or go through these negotiations again in the future, whoever he hires to do it is a dedicated sports agent, F1 agent, as opposed to what he did in the past, which was the full entertainment management agency that will handle all aspects of his career, including the imaginary music one. Well, you know. Um, now, his old former teammate, Jensen Button, who... The more I read of what Jensen has to say, and yeah, he's a team player, like Cothard is a team player, and all things great with his team, the man's really bright. Well, absolutely. He's, he, he sums things up very, very well, and I, I like... I like Mr. Jensen a lot. Um, so he summed up Lewis's situation, which I thought was pretty cool. Contracts are never simple, he says, especially when you're a racing driver. It's not written in English most of the time. It's not easy. The wording has to be 100% correct, and it's tricky for a driver when a team is that competitive, speaking about Mercedes' mm-hmm. dominance right now. Because obviously he's asking for something which is above what he had before. And the team will go, we don't need to pay you that. If you're not here, the other guy will win the races you've won. It's a tricky situation. And it's not something you want to discuss during your season. However, Hamilton seems to have a good head on it. Head. Seems to be good in the head, he says. Confident. That's the important thing. So... Button seems to be pro Hamilton in these conversations, but admits that it's not it's not easy. He says that his own manager is phenomenal, and it's having that trust with your management group is the key part of letting them handle what they can do. You know, I've said it before, and I will say it again. Um, when Jensen finally does retire, whenever that is, and it may be sooner rather than later. Somebody, a broadcaster of some sort, needs to get him on contract. Oh yeah, he need. And unfortunately, as as much as where we could really use him is here in America, NBC Sports. Hello, um, I have. We're a, looking at you. Yeah, um, I have a sneaking feeling that uh, if he's going to go anywhere, he's going to go to Japan. I think so. Well, his girlfriend's from Japan. He loves um, not Japan. girlfriend. His wife? Yes. Did he marry her? They got married over the winter. I didn't see that story. Yes. This makes me sad. Yes. I've held out hope for Mr. Jensen. Y- your pool boy is married. That is really going to put a cramp in my pool boy staring status. Well, he could bring his wife with him. <laughs> okay. What was that about a clean tag again? <laughs> I just never mind. Yeah, I know. You, <laughs> I you need d- a bigger wanna, shovel to dig yourself I, out I, of that I, hole. I don't want to put our clean tag in further jeopardy <laughs> than you have already done. <laughs> you know, you speak about the end of uh, Button's career, which I do agree with you. As a senior statesman in the Formula One race, he's probably aging himself out at this point. Um. But he said for the moment he's pretty happy with where he is. And his next quote was, obviously I would like to win because we are sportsmen and we're all competitive. But thanks to this age and thanks to the moment of your career, you start looking for other things. So, you know, maybe David Hobbs would like to retire engines. Broadcast booth, not WEC. Broadcast booth. Yeah, but his buddy is over in WCE. 
WEC? Yeah, that. Yes. I'm dyslexic. What do you think? Well, one of his buddies is. He also gets along very well with David Cothard. He does. So to spend more time trackside with David might not be a bad thing. That's true. That's true. Um, now, the last little thing I, you know, when we talk about contracts, I want to sum this whole thing up, um, is, you know, the big question when somebody moves teams, we, we had this question when Hamilton moved from McLaren mm-hmm. to Mercedes, you know, was it a great idea? Was it the right answer? Did you do the right thing? And after last weekend, there's a lot of questions flying at Fernando. And there are a lot of questions flying at Fernando. Um, I think you have what Fernando has to say about those questions. You know, in five years, I finished second three times, and uh, I didn't want to finish second anymore. So I'm in the right place now. Yes, apparently the right place is in the back of the grid. I <laughs> Really? He goes on to say that if Ferrari were to win the championship this year, he might change his mind about his opinion on leaving. Like, you know, that's like closing the, the doors after the cow is left. But mm-hmm. okay. Um, however, if they come in second or third, he is happy with his decision. Um, I think, honestly, he was pissed off that Ferrari could not help him get a championship. I mean, to keep coming in second and being you know, always the bridesmaid, never the bride. Oh, he them. was absolutely livid. And the fact that last year's car was so much worse than anything else that they had given him, let alone anything else that was on the field, he was absolutely livid over it. Now, he's also said that um, in some of the many comments that he has made over the weekend, that he sees himself ending his career at McLaren. Now, granted, last year he said he sees himself ending his career at Ferrari. So take that with a grain of salt, too. You you know he had a concussion this year, right? Well, there's that, and there's also the fact that he's on a three-year contract. And he hasn't had, in the past, being a... a previous McLaren driver, as we've mentioned, has not had the greatest of success with the team in terms of just getting along with them. So what are we thinking here? Is this a What's case... the over-under on, yeah. for our, on uh, Fernando living out his contract? Is, is this a case of, of Fernando and, and his, well, you know, I could say this and it seemed to shut people up when I was over at Ferrari, or is this a matter of that I'm planning on just going down in flames and it, when, when this whole thing with McLaren ends up, nobody's going to want to hire me. I don't know. <laughs> um, well, he's loved in Spain, so maybe he'll go to Spanish broadcasting. I, you know, I could see him doing that. Mm-hmm. I, I could definitely see him doing that. But he also at one point tried to buy a um, uh, Tour de France cycling team because he is a very big cyclist. Um, it came really close. This was like two years ago he tried it, and the deal ended up falling apart. Interesting. But, uh, yeah, he'll be involved in sports somehow. Of course. But th- in, in the – Vacuum of news this week. We got uh, Max Mosley, who is the former president of the FIA. Not to be confused with Jean Todd, the current president of the FIA, who nobody's ever heard of because he doesn't come around and do anything. But Max Mosley, who did everything that Bernie of the Bad Hair Bernie's asked him to do. Well, Max was never afraid of the cameras. And that was (laughs) ultimately his downfall. Um, There was a bit of a scandal that got caught on camera because of it. However, Max came out this week and 
Because I guess it's been, what, about two weeks since we've heard somebody come out and say that Formula One is on the road to ruin. He need to add his voice to it. Oh, yes. He he makes some good points in, in a uh, interview that was published in The Telegraph. Um, there are points that we've heard, but it's along the lines of you have teams, three teams this year that are, are on the verge of financial ruin after losing two teams last year, one of which is barely back and barely surviving, and Bernie's doing his dangdest to kill off. Um but you've got three teams on the verge of financial ruin. This is not a sustainable model for Formula One. They've got to rethink what they're doing. They've got to rethink how they're doing it. And they've got to rethink how they're sending money to everybody. Because obviously what they're doing now, no one can survive off of. Right. They're not attracting sponsors. They're not attracting viewers. And that combination, the fact that there's nobody to really go ahead and – Shepard and Marshall Formula One is killing it. The question I have is who who would Marshall Formula One? Because Bernie is not your right answer. The thing is, though, well, now he's not. I mean, we have questions about his mental capacity. Um, but the thing is, nobody right now seems to be looking ahead at future generations well the problem we're all talking about i'm sorry i keep talking over you we're all talking about that the house is on fire but we're not looking at the fact that it's going to burn down and it's going to get rebuilt so how do you mold that well there's a couple of things and part of the problem becomes how do you deal with the fact that the person who owns controlling it or, or the organization that owns the controlling interest in the sport is a venture capital firm. Their key piece is milking as much money out of the sport as possible as opposed to supporting the sport and maintaining the sport. Mm-hmm. So the decisions that need to be made could potentially divert money away from CVC. Which because is- the the – Current ownership structure, the way it is set up, and we we have complained about how the FIA takes a mostly hands-off approach. Unfortunately, it's because they have to. Right. The antitrust laws in the EU that govern the whole management agreement told the FIA that they can't own a controlling share in the sport anymore. So the way rules are set up is you have the teams that have to agree on whatever proposals are put forth, and if the teams don't agree, the rules the rule change dies. So yeah. Bernie can propose all he wants, but if the teams don't agree to it, it's not going to go anywhere. And we, we've seen the political games that, that the teams play. And, and by the way, it's not even all the teens. It's just the members of the steering group. Right. It's screwed up. It's screwed up, and nobody is stepping forward and saying, okay, guys, if we do X, Y, and Z, we can sustain this for a few, you know, for another generation. Yeah. And yes, that's going to take money out of Bernie's pocket, but it, on the long run, puts more money back in Bernie's pocket if you take a long tail view of this. Yeah, the problem he, is that Bernie's not going to live much longer. Yeah, well, there's the issue. So it's it's whoever comes next to it, next to succeed him, and whether or not they can change the current view of CVC Capital, which appears to be short term profits over long term. 
Right. Now, one of the proposals that has been floated is Christian Horner, good old bearded leader of Red Bull, stepped forth a few weeks ago and said, you know, the way we can go and help curb costs, because that's one of the issues, is let's enact a wind tunnel ban. Because wind tunnels are expensive and all the aerodynamic work that goes into wind tunnels that costs a lot of money. So instead of using wind tunnels and having to deal with all that, let's revert to using computational fluid dynamics to develop this. Basically computers to design the cars. Okay. And it would cost a whole lot less. And they've used this argument as to why they've gotten rid of tire testing and a couple other things. Well, hey, guess what? Um, Marusha, when they entered the series as Virgin Racing, that was a CFD, a computational fluid dynamic. I'm just going to say CFD. It's easier. That was a CFD designed car. Okay. You see where that got them. (laughs) Well, there's tweaks that they can make in the wind tunnel that they can't necessarily make on a computer design. Right, and then all you instead of getting that info on the wind tunnel, you're relying on the results that you're seeing during testing and during the practices. But here's the other thing. We have Red Bull coming out and saying this. A team that has depended heavily on aerodynamics for much of their success over the past years. Mm-hmm. So if CFD is so great, Mr. Horner, why are you not using CFD to fix the obvious problems in your car? Because it's not just the engines. We now know that because your junior team has beaten you. <laughs> There's problems with your car. Go whip up the CFD and show us how it's done. Yeah. Challenge. That, that's my Play. issue. Um, apparently, it was proposed. Th- this rule change was proposed uh, at a recent meeting of the advisory board, and um, nobody really likes it. I can understand that. I can definitely understand that. Now, mind you, the wind tunnels aren't always accurate. Remember a couple of years ago when Ferrari got the wind tunnel wrong? Yeah. Yeah. Good one, Ferrari. <laughs> so you're, you're saying that there's no easy fix. I'm saying there's no easy fix. And like so many things in business, and I don't just mean F1. I mean all of business. You get to a point where you've grown as big as you can grow and you start to see things erode. And, you know, you're trying to um, generation a business. You're Mm -hmm. trying to reach down another generation. You're trying to continue it. Whatever that challenge is, none of those solutions don't come with some pain. And here's the problem. No, there's no easy fixes. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm saying. There's no easy – and every solution that will actually solve your problem will cause pain in the short term. And until all the teams realize that they need to roll up their sleeves and accept that for the next five years, they're going to hurt a little bit to make a change, to make an engine change like they did, to do these hybrid engines, to keep engine manufacturers that we're going to pull out that are now doing really well um, – To go to these hybrid engines, that causes pain. It causes some cost issues. But to restructure the cost, the the payout system, it's going to cause pain because Ferrari's making money that they don't deserve because of their name to pass it down to some of these teams that need the development help. The the thing is, though, 
and, and this goes back to some of what Max had to say, is you need to look not just at what's going on on the track and what's going on with the teams themselves. You need to have a broader view. And we've said this many times in the last couple of weeks. You need to take at a much broader view at everything that is going on in Formula One. You need to look at what the... FIA and FOM are doing to attract fans and retain fans, and you can't take the attitude of, well, I only want the folks who, who, are, who can afford Rolexes because they're the ones who have money. You can't do that. You also need to take a look at what's happening with the contracts with tracks. Right. And, and, and not just that simple thought of, well, you know, Hockenheim couldn't raise the money to, to take over Nürburgring, and, and it's a historic track. You need to look even more at that. You need to look at what tracks like or, or venues like Melbourne are doing and these other facilities that have realized that it's more than just the F1 cars on the track. They have to be able to go and attract other events. And d- all-day experiences. Mm-hmm, during the weekend and other things to attract people to come to the track, to stay at the track, and spend money. Because when they do those three things, you make more money and bring more money into the sport, which allows you to go and make everything healthier. But, okay, so you look at, you know, you look at these sort of, think kind of it in terms of you've got festival events mm-hmm. where you've got a family of four can go to the track at 9 o'clock in the morning, 8 o'clock in the morning, and sit and watch. They're going to eat three meals at the track. They're going to watch multiple different kinds of car-based events, based Things have a concert at the end of it that'll be fantastic. They'll go home exhausted. They're going to buy broke. merchandise. They'll go buy merchandise. But in the same time, while they are, you know, they're essentially for the Formula One race, they're going to fall in love with some other race that also got run. Mm-hmm. They'll start to follow that. That will bring them back to the track because that race is run at the track at that same track three other times during the year. That could bring them back to the track three other well, times. You know, there's other opportunities to capitalize on that. And if you turn around and do that with a combination of a family-friendly entry ticket so that the family can afford to get there Mm -hmm. and then spend the day there. And, you know, yes, they're going to spend a lot of money. They're going to buy merchandise. They're going to buy the food. They're going to support the vendors. But maybe your merchandise should also not be the $90 T-shirt. Well, true. You You need the swatch level. Mm-hmm. watch option as opposed to just everything being Rolexes. But you do that. Those six- and seven-year-old boy kids are now fans for life. Yep. And guess what? You've got them for the next 70 years. Yep. That's a, that, that is an ongoing source of money for years upon years upon years. Because that six-year-old is going to be a 20-something-year-old, and he's going to bring his wife and their new kid to the track and go, my dad used to bring me here when I was a kid. And then they're going to grow up through it. And it's go- it continues. And, I mean, how many stories do we hear of the kids watching the, the races through the fence? Mm-hmm. And that's how they fell in love with F1. Yep. Maybe what they need to do is bring somebody in from McDonald's and Burger King and Disney. Mm-hmm. For, and I'm not thinking of the cartoony kind of marketing effort, but more that idea of these are organizations that have managed through their marketing processes and through their marketing efforts to create those lifelong fans. Mm-hmm. And that's what they need is somebody 
who is dedicated to that concept, who understands that concept and is dedicated to doing that. Well, somebody from Disney would be a good one to look for and somebody possibly from Apple. Possibly. Well, I, I go with the Apple concept because of the ability to transcend the objection, making it accessible and, you know, the rabidness of the Apple fan becomes a very big thing. And that's something, you know, you could bring somebody in equally from Harley Davidson. Yeah. The, the, the issue I have with Apple is, is that we have seen how well that went with Ron Johnson and J.C. Penney. Well, yeah, um, except, except, I, I will tell you that despite the fact that Ron Johnson's no longer with J.C. Penney, some of the things he brought were great ideas. Yeah. Now, J.C. Penney didn't allow them to reach fulfillment. That's that whole they, idea that they, there's they a pain period. Too. Yeah. And then there's a he brought some great ideas, and I will tell you as much as I am not a penny shopper, and I admit this, you walk through pennies today, it is a completely different look and feel than it was prior to Ron Johnson being in there. Yeah, and it's less crap. Truly, does that violate our clean tag? No. Okay. I think we're okay with that. But you look at that and now compare it to Sears, where they used to be very competitive. And mm-hmm. level of crap, and there's now a dif- difference. There's a definite. There's difference. now a difference, and Sears is struggling to not completely fall down a rabbit hole that Kmart's already gone to. Right. So I know there's a vacuum of, of news this week. So can we talk about the qualifier yet? Yeah, you know I think. Well, that's really all I had. You know, we're now <laughs> we're there. <laughs> You know, Red Bull has come out and they have said that uh, they're expecting that China is going to let them reveal their true performance levels. That's what they've said. I think behind the scenes they're going, oh, God, please let us do somewhat better. Um, Although it sounds like they're still having brake issues. Okay, yeah. What was it? Free practice three that uh, Ricardo's car came in with brakes on fire? Brakes on fire! Brakes on fire! Yeah. And this is after they went and they changed they, – they actually went and changed the brakes. Um, they used to use – and I think this is just a great name for a brake manufacturer. They used to use Hitco brakes. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> they have gone to Bre- gone back to Brembo's, which is what they've used in the past. Okay. I, I, I just love the fact that you've, you're, you're a brake manufacturer and you've named them Hitco. That, that was marketing genius right there. <laughs> All right, so Q1. Yeah, Q1, you really want to go through that. Yes, I, I do. I, I want to be proud of our future title sponsor drivers. Will Stevens. Finally drove in an F1 qualifier. Yeah, congratulations. <laughs> well, he that's not true. Not final. He's finally done it this season. Because remember, he drove last year for Caterham in Abu Dhabi. Okay, that's true. So he does have – this is his 2015 Formula One debut right here. In race three. Yeah. But he beat his teammate, Roberto Mary. Yes. In like the final little seconds of Q1. You know, speaking of him, it's going to be very interesting to see what happens with Mary. Because Mary also has a GP3 seat. Oh, does he? Most weekends, it's not an issue. It is in Monaco. Shoot. Yeah. And there's one other race during the year 
that there is a potential schedule conflict. So Marusha needs to make a decision as to where they want him. Or they may see if they can get some money for that seat those weekends. Well, I mean, a Monaco seat would probably be pretty, you know what they ought to do. I'm a genius. This is why they need to hire me to help them with their marketing. Send I'm them a your genius. CV. Send them your CV. I'm a genius. They should sell the seat for Monaco to a female driver. Maybe Carmen Jordan. Well, she's already <laughs> signed up with somebody. But I don't care. Find some third-level female Drive somebody that can actually drive the car. She doesn't have to drive it well, and I'm has not... to be eligible for a super license. Though. That's, that's the, the problem. that's the issue. That's gonna be is the that problem. There's not many who are eligible for that super license. I, I mean, don't even think Carmen Jordan is eligible for that super license. Maybe she they can, can borrow Susie Wolf. I mean, she's just yeah. a test driver for Williams. Maybe they can borrow her. But think about the, the publicity. The publicity to have a woman driver on the field. In Monaco. I mean, every every television station would be talking about them. They could be seriously pushing the sponsorship need for that particular event. Well, you know what? Let, let's put this in perspective because, yes, that, that is a good idea to I'm gonna get ask that. For it. But, but hang on a second. Let, let, let's put this all in perspective. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, <clears throat> say Marusha turns around and they grab Carmen Jordan with her stellar GP2 record of. What ninth place? Yes. They go and they they manage to to get her a super license and they give her a seat. Lotus lends them to her, whatever it is, mm-hmm. and they put her behind a wheel and she races that weekend. How much do you want to bet that just as much as there are going to be comments about, you know, she's the woman who who gets that that F one seat and runs in a weekend? The other bunch of the comments, especially from somebody like Bernie, is going to be, this is a publicity stunt. She has no business being there, and she has no experience because look at her. You know, She's done nothing in GP2. She doesn't belong in F1. The same comments that we did not get when Lotus gave her a seat as, as a test driver. We'll get the comments because Bernie is a tool. <laughs> we will get the comments because race, motor racing is inherently sexist. We will get the comments no matter what. And truly, you'll get those same kind of comments if they put a 16-year-old in the car to upstage Mr. Verstappen. I was going to say, there's only going to be two people who are going to make those comments, I would bet. Two people. Bernie will be one. Mm -hmm. Bob Fernley at Force India will be the other one. (laughs) Those two are going to be right out there within seconds going, ah, this is just a publicity stunt. Everybody else will be, okay, whatever. Yeah. I don't know. I think that they'll be questioned. They'll ask Eddie Jordan whether or not he likes this idea. Well, of course but, they will. But I think this is absolutely a phenomenal idea. I mean, think about the publicity of the fact that we would have a female driver. And she, she doesn't have to win. I mean, yes, it would be awesome if you could get somebody that was highly competitive. and But nobody that's highly competitive is going to drive a Manor Marusha car. Mm-hmm. So, you know, doesn't have to win. But just somebody on the grid. I mean, people would be talking about it. Yep. So there, I've got your replacement driver <laughs> slotted for. Uh... Now, there was a lot of talk in the lead up, at least on the BBC, that this could be the weekend that we see McLaren make it out of Q3. I it don't wasn't. know. I don't even know where that came from. 
Well, I think that they were showing some pace promise in the free practices. I know, because they were passing Force Indias in, in Malaysia, so maybe that was going to be it. Yeah, I, well, we were passing people. It was great. <laughs> <laughs> this is great. Says we're Brett. actually catching cars. Um, they still didn't make it out of Q1. Yeah. Maybe not. You know, I'm starting to feel about them that they're kind of like the Cubs of uh, Formula One this year. Maybe next race. There's always next yeah, season. There's always next race. It's always the next race. Your quote that you had from uh, Martin Brundle in uh, the forward of the all the F1 books. That, oh no, it was uh, it, it wasn't Martin Brundle. It was what's his face in his book. Uh, how are you forgetting that James J Humphreys? Jake Humphreys in Jake Humphreys' book that every every race. Is a new one, and you, you've you've set the previous races behind, and, and they're and all prototypes, all and... new hope, and all yeah, yeah. It, it's it's a great quote, it really is. So that's all it is. Um, okay, so rounding out those that failed in Q one is Nico Hulkenberg, our oversized driver for Force India. You know, the thing is, it's not a surprise at this point, and and, and it's not even a fault of Nico's. Mm-mm. They they admit they got a shortened development cycle. They're talking – they were originally talking that there was going to be a redesign. They called it a B-spec car that was supposed to come in Barcelona. That has now been pushed back to Austria. Whoa. So that's when they might finally have a car that is close to competitive, but that's probably also going to be about the point that they're going to turn around and go, yep, we're done for this year. We're going to pack it in and, and focus on 2016. Mm-hmm. Um, now, Hulkenberg was sitting on the bubble for the longest time, but in the last seconds of Q1, Perez just jumped above him. So Perez fell out in Q2 at the bottom of the pack during yeah. Q2. Um. Topping him is Carlos Sainz Jr. and his teammate, the young boy, Verstappen. Yeah, well, you know, th- this is about where we would expect to see the Toro Rosso, so I don't think this is really all that shocking. No. Or all that gloom and doom, for that matter. And Nope. However, having Daniel Kvyat right in front of the Toro Rosso's is a little bit surprising. Um, well, at least he's in front of the Toro Rosses, as they're probably saying at Red Bull. Just barely, by three tenths of a second, he's in front of the of Verstappen. And speaking of Red Bull, yes, once again, Dietrich Manischitz has come out and said, "Yeah, we might consider leaving F one if things don't start turning around." Wow, because we don't have a competitive engine. My question is, because you said we don't have to necessarily be winning, but we have to at least have a competitive engine and a competitive powertrain. So, okay, you're not winning right now, but you've got a car that puts you squarely in the mid-pack. Mm-hmm. You're squarely in the middle of the competition. How are you not competitive? <laughs> McLaren, not competitive. Matter Marusha. Not competitive. Sauber and everybody else in the mid-pack, they're still competitive with each other. There's still a group all around them that you're fighting with. And 
this is the other thing, okay? That team exists to market drinks. Correct. Not cars, not anything else. This is a marketing exercise for Red Bull. So if you have a car that is securely in the mid-pack, which means if you're in the mid-pack, you're probably dicing up with a lot of other cars, and there's a lot of opportunity for passing and for racing and such. Mm-hmm. That would mean increased exposure for your car on TV. So increased exposure for your brand on TV. As opposed to, I don't know, when your car is running away with the championship and finishing races 30 to 45 seconds ahead of everybody else so that by the time you get to lap two, your car's not on TV anymore until the end of the race. I would think that this is a better situation from a marketing standpoint. Yes and no. I mean, Cothard has mentioned that if you run away with the race, it's not good for the sponsors. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, you get all the post-race coverage. But you get by all the, time, the post and, and you're sponsoring a championship car. Yeah, you're I get sponsoring that. a championship car, and and you run the risk of having everybody having already turned off their televisions because they already know who the winner is. Yeah, you know. The other thing is they are sponsoring and they are trying to sell an energy drink. The concept being that they're an energy drink, they should run faster, harder, better than everybody well, else. Yeah. And so that's what uh-uh. makes that partnership, you know, make a lot of sense. Not we're an energy drink and we run with the middle. <laughs> and well, there's that. There's also the how many poop people root for Red Bull as opposed to how many people root for Sauber. Right. Or Force India. Right. So I mean I get that your comment about that they're they're competitive. They're competing with people. They're not in the non-competitive class. However, I think that their expectation is that they would be doing much, much better. Um, well, of course, they're going to have that expectation of four straight world championships. Right. Because I think if they hadn't had that and they were running towards the top of the mid-pack – or one of the consistently best of the rest, they'd still be in the sport. They wouldn't be going and making all these complaints about, well, we might just leave. Correct. So. Correct. Um, the rounding out those that didn't make it out of Q2 is our dear friend, Crashy Maldonado. He has not crashed today. That you know of while we are recording. The reality is this season, this season only, every time that he is – well, he hasn't finished a race yet. But it (laughs) hasn't been his fault. Amazingly enough, it has not been his fault. What it is is either the engines packed it up and said, I'm done with you, man, or – it's all the other drivers going, if we don't crash into him, he's going to crash into us. I don't know. So. <laughs> I haven't checked my app yet today to see has Maldonado crashed today. No, we'll have to go and take a look at that later. But he he, he did not crash in qualifying. He did not crash in any of the practices. And dividing the two Lotuses in ninth and 10th place are our two Saubers of Nasser and Erickson. And they're the bottom two of the top 10 in qualifying. Um, 
And, of course, I'm sure that they are thrilled to be in the top ten. I mean, it's Sauber. Oh, absolutely. I mean, give, given the, the last couple of seasons. And just – the and granted, yes, Erickson was in a caterham and really not all that exciting to begin with. But for Erickson to come from running around the back in a caterham to be putting cars in the top ten – Yes. Two races in a row, mm-hmm. that's pretty impressive. And Felipe Nasser is definitely lighting up the F1 rookie grid. Yeah. Too. Now, hopefully, Erickson can avoid going and beaching it this time that for w- no good reason. But we get to the top ten and where we are. And honestly, I think the only surprise, and it's not a big one at this point, is that once again, Ferrari is really close to Rosberg. Um, truly, they're two-tenths of a second apart. Um, okay, I'm just going back up. I'm keeping going here. I know you. Uh, Roman Grosjean was is in eighth in P8, um, topped by Daniel Ricciardo. Um, so we did have a Red Bull in the top ten. Yeah, barely. And now we get to the final three teams, which all it's three teams in the top six. Uh, Kimmy's Ferrari and sixth. The two Williamses of uh, Massa and Botas were four and five, respectively, with Vettel splitting them with the Mercedes, and then Hamilton on top of Rosberg. Yeah, so the dominance of Lewis over Nico in qualifying obviously has uh, not ended. No, it's not ended despite Nico's promise. Um, now, they were only, they were less than a tenth of a second apart. It was tight. It, it was about four hundredth of a second. And we've got some, some comments from Nico talking to, to Lee McKenzie about his frustration and where he wants things to go. This four hundredths, you know, it's such a such a tiny margin and and a lap is never perfect. It was a really good lap today, but never perfect, you know, and so four hundreds is always possible to find it somewhere. So that does bother me. In terms of tomorrow, where do you need to get Lewis? Does it have to be off the start or are there opportunities through strategy? Um, no, there's a start, and then there's also a lot of opportunities on the strategy for sure. It's going to be tough with tires tomorrow. So in other words, yeah, I really don't know what to do to pass him, but I'm going to try everything because something mi- might work, I hope, possibly. Well, I find be. it interesting that he comments about tires because in all of the Malaysia post-race coverage and you know all of the big deal about Ferrari having beaten the mm-hmm. Mercedes – Fair and square, and you know, not because they had a mechanical difficulty or anything. Universally, all the analysts have said, "Yeah, you beat them fair and square," but part of that was came down to tires. You managed your tires better, and Mercedes well, made a fundamental problem, and they made a fundamental mistake in how they used their tires. And that's it's a strategy thing. And yeah. yes, it's it, it yes, it qualifies as fair and square, um, but you can be sure that Mercedes isn't going to make the same mistake twice. But I find it interesting that Nico calls out tire strategy as being one of the possible ways that he could possibly beat Lewis. Well, it, it's that possibly a pit situation that, that'll help him out. But to to go back to Malaysia and, and the whole tire thing there, the reality was – Regardless of what Mercedes tire strategy, they would have had a better chance if they had gone with a different tire strategy. But overall, the Ferrari treated its tires better. Mm -hmm. And they were able to run that race on a two-stop strategy. Everybody else walked into it thinking three. 
including Mercedes. They didn't have a chance. They really didn't. No, they didn't. Um, but how do you think, well, how does Nico think that he could possibly win this qualifying race with Lewis? I am not sure he can. You have a clip. Oh, you want that one, huh? <laughs> Just beat Lewis. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I didn't know that's what you were thinking, that, you know, he, he, he just needs to, you know, do that. But I, I was softballing that up for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, apparently that's Nico's hardcore strategy. We've we revealed here on The Bloke and the Bird Nico Rosberg's strategy for winning the world championship. Well, it, it, it's either that or just drive flat out. I, that's also his part of his core strategy. Which he's now been told that multiple times. Yes, and possibly stop asking us what the other cars are doing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so, what's your prediction for the race? Is it a runaway for Mercedes? Runaway is in both cars, one, two, or? Yeah. What's it going to be? I think Lewis is definitely going to win. I don't see any reason why he would not. Cothart couldn't have said more times today, and I wanted, uh, when we watched the qualifier, uh, that it was Lewis's race to lose. I want to smack him every, every time Every race at this point is. Every I mean, time it, it he truly says is. that. Um, as for Nico, I think the race is going to be pretty telling. Um, I, I think if Vettel beats him, that's the end of his season. He's done for. That, mm. I think that's going to break him, and he he's going to have a Weber-like season. Ooh. <clears throat> Ouch. You are predicting in race three we could have a Weber-like season if Vettel tops Nico. Yeah. I, I, I think at that point that, that will pretty much <coughs> remove Nico from the equation mentally. And I don't think, just listening to him and the way he's been talking, that he will be able to recover. What do you think about Williams coming in uh, fourth and fifth? Do you think that that's indicating that they're back, that they've got it put back together again? I mean, we've had such strong, strong hopes for Williams this year. Um, I don't know. Obviously, they've got some arrow issues. Um Watching the race and or watching the qualifier and the actual in-car shots, um, Botus obviously does not like the car. He's mm. struggling with the car. So I don't know if it's there. Massa didn't seem to have the same issues, and I don't know why. Hmm. They did some shots of Claire during the, um, the qualifier, and she looks decidedly unhappy. Probably because they're not doing as well as they thought they were going to walking into this season. Mm -hmm. Ferrari's beating them handily, and I don't think that's sitting well. Now they're going into the race. They're 20 points down from Ferrari. But again, it's race three, and it's a long season. Yep. And a lot of things can happen. Everybody's got development bits going there. Mm -hmm. But I don't think anybody expected Ferrari to make the jump that it did. And to turn around and end up on the podium in race one and then win race two. Yeah. I think that caught a lot of people, not just Mercedes, by surprise. All right. So do we have any other surprises? No, I don't think so. So, What uh, are the chances? I want the over-under on whether or not we're going to see Stewart. Um, not Stewart. 
Stevens. Why? It's because it's S-T-E every time I see it. Stevens. Will Stevens finish a race? Um, I think he will. Ahead or behind Roberto Mary? That I don't know. You know, Mary does have one more Formula One race under his belt than Stevens does. So <laughs> No. Yeah. They didn't run in Melbourne. Oh, that's right. They're even. Stevens ran in That's Abu right. Dhabi. They're even. Because as um, as Bernie wanted to point out to us, they couldn't race if you had held a machine gun to their head in Melbourne. So They could have if you held a machine gun to their head. That is they not what he said. <laughs> Bernie said. If you held a machine gun to their head, they could not race. So, yeah, we'll see what happens. You know what? I can't race if you held a machine gun to my head either. So. Well, see, there you go. But you don't have an entry either. I'm going to work on that whole Monaco thing. I could be a female driver for Formula One. You could. You wouldn't qualify within 107%. So there you go. You never know. And, you know, on that, I think it's time to wrap it up. <laughs> Remember, you can find us on iTunes. Please leave us a review. And on Stitcher, which, by the way, apparently you can leave reviews on there, too. Excellent. So, what about Spotify? We're not on Spotify because we don't sing music, thankfully. The world <laughs> thanks us for that on so many levels. In the open, I think you said that we were on Spotify. No, I didn't. Stitcher. Will you check the open before you? Absolutely. Okay. But on that... I think we'll call it a show.